Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys awake? Well, I am uh, super excited to be here. I couldn't even sleep last night. I was so excited uh, to be here. And uh, it's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to, uh, to, to be here in this place um, and uh, just to, to help step up um, for our pastor, our fearless leader, um, who uh, is faithful and our, our Bible teacher. And um, I just want to uh, take a minute and pray for him, if you guys don't mind. Uh, before we get started, so will you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and God, we lift up our pastor to you, Lord God. We thank you for uh, who he is, Lord, just uh, his ministry to this body, to this church, Lord, to this flock, and just all that he does uh, just to, to glorify your name, Lord, to preach us uh, your word, Lord, full force, Lord, without holding back. And so we thank you for him. We ask that you would touch his body right now, Lord, that they would just be able to uh, identify and find whatever infection is causing his fever, Lord. And we just pray that you just take it away even now, Lord God. We ask this uh, in your name, that you would touch his body, Lord. Would you heal him, restore him, bring him back quickly, we pray. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about, uh, we're going to be talking about vision problems. Vision problems. Anybody uh, out there have uh, glasses, some, some vision problems? I think I see a few. There's a lot of different types of uh, vision issues and conditions that can hinder or limit your vision. There is short-sightedness, long-sightedness, uh, there is uh, stigmatisms, all these different types of things. And basically, due to these limitations in vision, although people can be looking at the exact same thing, they can be seeing something very differently. And sometimes we can think that we see things clearly, but we don't realize that there's more going on than what we're able to see or perceive with our own eyes. And so, uh, actually, I want to show you an example up on the screen. Uh, if you, you look up to the video real quick, of someone with a vision condition. So what you see there is this uh, young man suffers from color blindness and he's never seen in color. And so what we just saw was him putting on these enchroma glasses, which allow people with color blindness to be able to see color. And so this was his first time seeing in color. And as you could tell, he was overwhelmed with emotion by what he saw, just just what he took in. It was like almost too much for him. And for him, it was like he was looking at the same world with a whole new set of eyes. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, is how for us, going 
through life. Maybe there's times when we're not seeing everything correctly. There may be times where things in our life don't make sense. There may be times when we just don't see the big picture. And the truth is, there is so much more going on right in front, in front of us than what we can realize or perceive. 1 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is especially true when we as believers, when we go through difficult times in life. And when we go through those times as Christians, we can tend to ask, why is this happening? Right? We, we tend to have those questions. Why is this happening? Or we might even, you know, throw the question up to God and say, God, how could you allow this thing or these things to happen to me? And maybe perhaps some of you today, that's right where you're at. Maybe some of you are right in the middle of that. Maybe that's a question that you asked even this morning. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Is the reason that these things happen. We're going to be looking at how we can view these things. And the reason that we ask these questions this way is because we are looking at things through a human perspective. We're looking at things through human human eyes where they don't make a whole lot of sense. Because we don't see the whole picture. And so in order to make sense of these things, in order to to better understand them, we need to look at these things a little differently. We need to look at them with what I'm calling eternal eyes. We need to put on essentially an eternal lens to see things differently, to see things and look at things the way that God sees them. And so that's the title of our message today is Eternal Eyes. Looking at life, experiencing life through the lens of eternity. Colossians 3.1 says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Can we get an amen to that? And so there is an eternal mindset that we must have as we, as Christians, go through this life. We got to look at things with that eternal lens, if you will. And see, the thing is, there's a very popular misunderstanding and a misconception about Christianity. Because a lot of people think falsely that when you become a Christian, that that's supposed to make your life easy. Now, I don't know if that happened to you, but that's I've found that not to be true. And it's actually not biblical at all. The Christian life is not supposed to be easy. A lot of people think mistakenly to, to come to Christ is essentially to employ God to be the one to keep us out of trouble. Like God's full-time job is to keep us from pain and to keep us from difficulty. And we tend to think sometimes if, if we fall into pain or a difficult circumstance, we're like, God, why are you not doing your job? We think, why am I going through this? Maybe God doesn't know or God doesn't care or he's judging me and we're quick to judge God and make these false assumptions. But the truth of the matter is the Christian life is is not an easy life. It was never promised to us. 
Sadly, there's many Bible teachers or so-called Bible teachers today who preach a gospel light, if you will, a prosperity gospel. It is a, a, a partial and a twisted, fluffy gospel which is really no gospel at all. That, that, that God's purpose is simply to bless your life materially and physically and that, that there are no trials or difficulties in life. And, you know, if you are going through those things, it's because of sin. And it's sad that so many follow this false line of thinking, this false teaching. It's not biblical. In fact, Jesus said the very opposite. John 16.33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen to that. God never promised us an easy life. And those that would perpetuate that type of teaching are just flat out wrong. In fact, what we're going to see today as we get into our text, is that in some cases the difficulties that come into the Christian life are not only allowed by God, but they are brought into our life by God for a purpose. And so let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be using this as our text today. Romans 5, uh, we'll focus in verses 3 through 5, but I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Read verses 1 through 5. So if you don't mind, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Romans 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out In our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. We pray that you would speak to each and every heart, Lord. Each and every situation. Lord, you know where everyone is coming from. You know where they're at in life and where their struggles, where their trials may be, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would reach in and minister and touch each and every heart. In this place, in this time, would your name And your word be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, I don't know if it was a typo or what, but it says that that we are to glory in tribulations. Does your Bible say that? To glory in tribulations. What? This makes no sense. Now, I don't know how many of you guys glory or to rejoice when trials come. Is that natural? To any of you, like a trial comes and you're like, yes, I love it, right? If if that's the case, then it's like that is uh, not right. There is a, a problem there, right? We are not, it is not a natural thing. It is not a normal thing to rejoice, to be, to glory in tribulation. So how is it that Paul can tell us that, that, that we're able to do that? How are we able to do that, to rejoice in the midst of tribulation? Well, first off, let me say this. We do not rejoice for the trial, 
Right? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying when the trials come, yay, this is so fun, I'm so excited. But we rejoice through the trials because of what we will get out of them. Right? God does not put us through things just to mess with us. God does not put us through things, you know, to, to be cruel or anything like that. God has a purpose when we go through these things. And so we can look through the difficulty, through the pain, through the trial and look forward to what God is going to do and what God is going to bring from it. So I'm going to draw three points today from our text, um, which I'm calling three keys to seeing with eternal eyes. How can we see when we're going through trials, when we're going through difficulty, how can we kind of put those lenses on, those eternal lenses to look at this, the things that we're going through and try to see them from an eternal perspective, the way that God would see them or to, for, to have us see them. So how can we view our trials with this eternal perspective and bring forth a rejoicing in the midst of it? The first key to seeing with eternal eyes, it comes right out of verse 3, where he says, Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And so the first key to seeing with eternal eyes is understanding that trials and tribulation, they produce perseverance. 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 This word perseverance, um, it can be translated as a steadfast constancy or an endurance. Which is essentially, it's a type of a strengthening that comes, right? So these trials, they produce this perseverance. It is a strengthening. And the thing that we first need to realize is this, that building strength is not easy. Many times... When we're in the midst of the trial, it's our natural kind of first inclination to pray the trial away, right? How many of you guys do that, right? That's just like our natural thing to do, like, you know, pray the trial away. But the truth of the matter is that God wants us to be strong. God wants us to be capable. And so many times he uses these things to strengthen us, to develop this perseverance. Um, in Joshua chapter 1, uh, when God called Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Uh, it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Now here's the thing, right? Here's, this is kind of like the, the rah-rah speech for Joshua, right? It's like, okay, Moses, you know, he, he's passed on. You're picking up the torch, Joshua. Like, it's on you now. So now he, the Lord basically says, I'm going to give you the land. No one's going to be able to, to, to stand against you. But as you go through and as you read the account, you know, there were some great stories. The, the Lord worked in great ways. If you look at uh, Jericho and the way that the, fall, the walls fell. But here's the thing. There were many battles, right, in the conquest era. There was many battles. There was blood that was shed. Right, And so even though the Lord had, had given that to them, even though uh, the, the Lord was going to provide, they still had to go through the battles. And the truth of the matter is this, guys. You cannot be victorious if you have no victory. And God wants us to be victorious, right? Joshua, the Israelites, ultimately, when they won, they were victorious. And so if you want to be a victor, if you want to be victorious, you have to go through the battle. And God wants us to be victorious. And so challenges and trials and the things that we go through in this life, as God places them in our life, many times He places them so that we can be victorious as He is with us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. But notice, He doesn't promise to keep us away from these things. He promises to walk with us through them. Amen? And so God's calling us to be victorious. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so we must be careful. Here's the point, guys. We've got to be careful to never confuse the easy path for the best path. Right? Don't, don't, don't look for the path of least resistance. Again, that's kind of the misconceptions that we can have. Like, oh, if God's leading me in this direction, it must be the, the, the easy path. If there's opposition here, you know, and an easy path down here, then I'm going to head down the easy path because God must be providing. Not necessarily, right? What if, what if that, that, that difficult path is the thing that God wants to use in your life to equip you, to prepare you, to enable you, to strengthen you, to make you victorious? We need to charge where the Lord leads. Jesus said in Matthew 7.13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Again, is that Jesus promising an easy Christian life? The, the path of least resistance? I think not. And so we need to not fall to, you know, whatever the easiest path is, because sometimes God is leading us down the paths that are difficult to equip us, empower us, and enable us. Now, when it comes to building strength, you know, there, there's really two key elements when it comes to, to strength building on a physical standpoint. Uh, it, it's time and resistance. Those are kind of two key factors that, that, that need to be present in order to build strength. And so, so that means it takes time. And we live in a very much on-demand culture, do we not? 
Right? It's like we see something like on TV or on the internet that we want. And if it's not like on our doorstep tomorrow morning in an Amazon box, you know, with a little smiley logo, right? We're like, oh, what's taking this so long, right? We are not um, prepared and equipped to wait for things anymore, right? If you want to watch a, a, a movie or a show or whatever, it's on demand, on demand. Everything we see in our culture really uh, views waiting as, you know, this negative thing. Like, like we have to eliminate this time of waiting and there's just this mentality of, you know, really impatience which is developed in our culture. But the truth is, sometimes when it, when it comes to strength training, we need to allow the time for these things to happen. You know, Christianity, it's not about, you know, a microwave version of Christianity, right? It's like the microwave, it, it, it speeds up and accelerates what would normally take perhaps several hours and you cook your meal in just a, you know, a few seconds, right? And that's the kind of Christianity we want. We want God to be like, you know, throw my trial in the microwave, right? Like, can we speed this up because I'm not having fun? But the truth of the matter is, the strength many times comes in the waiting. And so it is something that has to be built up over time. You cannot become significantly stronger in, in an instant. It's something that, that requires, it's really a process. Um, I heard about this uh, process called shin conditioning. Uh, for those involved in martial arts and specifically like Muay Thai um, kickboxing where, you know, the guys will just over, you know, a, a period of time, they just kick these really hard things and they actually create these surface fractures on the on their bone that actually heal. And when they heal, the bone gets stronger. And so it's this process of fracture, heal, fracture, heal. And so as they do that over a period of time, their bones get stronger and stronger to the point where they can like kick baseball bats and snap them in half. Which is amazing, right? I think most of us, if we were to kick a baseball bat, it would not be the bat that snaps in half, right? <laughs> but that's kind of a cool thing, right? And it's not something that can happen overnight. It cannot, it will not happen overnight. It is a process which requires time. The other element in strength building, as I said, is resistance. Resistance. Strength itself is measured based on the amount of resistance you can overcome, Right? And so, you know, continuing to do the same thing over and over and not pushing past where you're at and not being exposed to something that is uh, more intense or more difficult will not give you any growth. When it comes to building strength, there's not an easy button, right? You have to push past the difficulty. You have to, the, the, the struggle is really in the, in the middle of it. You know, it's like if you're working out at the gym, you know, a lot of times there'll be people when uh, if you need someone to spot you on a, when you're doing an exercise and uh, you, you can tell the people who don't really know what they're doing because like as soon as you start to struggle, you know, they'll come and they, they lift it up, you know. And the problem with that is um, all the growth happens in the struggle. You know, that last repetition when you're doing it, it, as you do it slowly and as you push past the difficult part, that's where the growth happens. That's where the growth happens. And so, so when someone comes and pulls and removes that, you know, it, it, they kind of rob you of the opportunity to grow. Guys, God's not going to do that to us. 
God's not going to rob you of the opportunity to do what he's doing in, in, in your life. You know, I love it with like when a, a spotter comes and he just, you know, makes you struggle and squirm, you know, it's just like, it almost seems cruel, right? But then you push through it, you know, and it's just like, thank you, you know, I did it, you know, that's, that's a great thing. And so here's the point, guys, when it comes to developing the strength that, that, that God wants to develop in us, this perseverance, this endurance, uh, we've got to remember that the struggle is only, the strength is only gained through struggle. Right. That's where the strength comes is in the struggle. That's where the growth is. You've heard, I'm sure, uh, the slogan, no pain, no gain. And, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, that that's true. Right. Comfort is the enemy of growth. If you want to be comfortable, you're not going to grow. But there is pain that's involved in growth. I remember I uh, I messed up my shoulder and uh, had a couple of shoulder surgeries on it. And I was trying to rehabilitate it and get back into doing exercise and things like that. And for a long period of time, um, I couldn't um, put an amount of weight on there to really stress my muscle. My joint would, you know, kind of go out and I would mess it up and have a lot of problems. But I remember that when I got to a certain point where I was able to put enough weight to, like, actually feel soreness and pain in my muscle. And I remember I was just like... Ow! Yes, I was like, <laughs> it hurt, literally, it hurt so good, right? It's just like, I was so happy to feel that pain because I knew that if I did not push myself to that point, then I could not and would not grow. James, in James chapter 1, verse 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's the same idea right there, right? That, that God wants to do a work in us. He wants to perfect us. He wants to complete us so that we are lacking nothing. And so we can rejoice in the midst of trials, not for, again, the trial itself, but from that which comes from it. The strengthening, the perseverance, the work that God wants to do in us. Uh, number two, the second key to seeing with eternal eyes comes out of verse four. Um, I'll read verse three again just for context. It says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And so the second key to, under, to seeing with eternal eyes uh, is purity of character, right? That our character is purified through trials. And so trials bring purity in our character. This word character here, it actually means approved or tried character, right? Something that has been tested. And so trials have this purifying effect on our character. Right? Trials tend to, to bring things out of us that perhaps we don't even realize that are there. Things that need to be dealt with that we may not even realize. And so the point here is this, guys. Trials often reveal the things in us that need to be removed. Perhaps there's something in your life, something going on that, that in your heart or your mind that's just something that's not right. And perhaps there is a trial, there is pressure that needs to you know, put you under that, that, that pressure to rise that up. So it can be dealt with. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says this. In this you greatly rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, is tested by fire. It may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, this, that's the, the idea of the purifying aspect of trials, just as the a metal pot would be put into the heat to bring up the impurities as the impurities rise to the top so that the dross can be removed. In that same way, trials can have a purifying effect on us, on our character, on the things in us that need to be dealt with. Because impurities in metal, they can make it weak. If there's an impurity in a metal, um, it can cause it to fracture or break prematurely. And it is a weakness that needs to be removed. And so God uh, loves us enough to help us with our weak spots, right? God loves us enough and cares enough to strengthen us where we need that strength in us and to remove these things that need to be removed. I love the, the, the word character in, in the, the passage here because, again, it means tested and, and approved. Something that has gone through a test, and, you know, there's some things in life that, that can't be fully understood by, by teaching, right? You can teach certain things, but there's certain things that have to be experienced, right? And that's what this word for character is, is an experience. You know, it's kind of like a, a child. You can tell them that the oven is hot, right? And they may get it, right? Okay, oven, hot. They get it conceptually intellectually, okay, oven hot, oven hot, right? But at the point where they get too close, they get burnt by the oven, okay? Now they don't just know it, they know it, know it, right? It's like you learned it on a whole other level, right? And and sometimes, you know, there's things that we know, but we don't know it, know it. And it's not until we're tested, until we experience these things, that we can really know it that way. Um, my... Background, previous background is an, uh, engineering, design engineering. I used to, uh, work on things where we would come up with designs and we would do all the calculations and we would come up, you know, with all the theoretical things and, and all the provisions that needed to be made for, uh, you know, whatever it was that we were designing. But there was always a test that was required. You know, and no matter how many calculations you do, there is always a test to prove whether or not the design was valid. And usually what happens, especially in the preliminary tests, is you discover weaknesses, you discover weak points that were not there, that you, you know, that you couldn't have thought of, or there's, you know, complex dynamics involved and um, multiple factors involved and and all of that. And so um, it's not until you actually put these things to the test that you know whether they are going to endure. And so sometimes God needs to put us through the test to purify us, to purify our character. All right. So again, this purifying process is something that God brings us through. He carries us through the trials and uh, he doesn't keep us from them. And the other thing that, that is tested when we go through trials is not, not just us, but you know what else is tested? God's faithfulness to us is tested. We get to experience the faithfulness 
of God. And we get to see his faithfulness. Second uh, Timothy 2.13 says this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And he cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, God does not bail on us. God does not quit on us. God does not give up on us. Can I get an amen for that? Are you not glad that, that God's faithfulness to us is not dependent on our faithfulness to him? Can I get a thank you, Jesus, for that? And as we go through these trials and we see how faithful God is, and as he develops a personal track record of faithfulness in our lives, it grows our faith, it strengthens our faith in him. And it is a blessing to see and experience the faithfulness of God in our life. And so, in many ways, the only way to, to know, to know it, know it, that God can solve your problems is to have problems and to allow God to carry you through them. Right? I mean, how much stronger is the faith of someone who's been carried through a difficult situation and God's proven himself faithful? Right. Versus the person who's, you know, perhaps prayed the trials away, avoid, avoided, the, you know, the dodge the bullet, so to speak. Right. Seeing God's faithfulness is only going to increase your faithfulness or your faith in him for your future, his faithfulness in your future. And so sometimes we must go through those difficult things in order for us to discover these things. So God is more concerned and praise God for this, that God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. Right? God loves us enough to make us uncomfortable and to put us, you know, in the hot seat, so to speak, in order to purify us and to strengthen us and to remove the things that need to be removed. So uh, we see our three keys for looking at things with eternal eyes. Number one, we saw was perseverance. Number two is purity. And our third key comes out of verse five. Again, I'll read verse 4 just for context. And perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so the third key to seeing with eternal eyes is perspective. Perspective. And what is this perspective? Hope. Hope puts things in Perspective, right? As Christians, we have a completely different perspective than those that do not have the hope of Christ. And so a proper perspective, it gives us hope in seemingly hopeless situations. Amen? And so when we see life properly and we see it through this lens of hope, it gives us this proper perspective and allows us to put our problems in perspective. Putting our problems, our trials in perspective. And here is how that works. Here's the point. The size of the problem is relative to the size of the one who has to solve it. Right? The size of the problem is relative to the size of the one who has to solve it. So if you have a big problem that is big for you, right? The perspective of you needing to solve that problem, you might have a very big problem. But... How about if you give that problem to the Lord, right? We, we see ourselves, that we're, we're just small people and, and we have this big problem and, and, and it's really a, a matter of, you know, how big do you see your God? 
And are you carrying a problem that you should be giving to him? You know, imagine an ant, right? Here's this ant carrying this rock, you know, and he's just moving slow, struggling with it, you know, and here's you seeing it, you know, and it's like, it's no big deal. You know, you pick it up like, hey, what's the problem, right? It might be a problem for that ant, but for you, it's no big deal. Are we going to try to carry burdens that we need to give to the Lord? Right? Are we seeing these problems as big simply because we're trying to do something that God's not called us to do? We need to give our problems and put them in the hands of the one who knows what to do with them. Amen? And so the bigger our God is, the smaller our problems become. Right? And it's, it's not the fact that God changes in size. It's our perspective, our understanding. Do we know how infinitely vast and great and majestic our God is? Think of that. And then think of your problem. Right? Put things in perspective. And so, that perspective we have is a perspective of hope. And hope literally changes everything. Hope changes everything. I heard um, of this experiment, kind of crazy, uh, this guy did with mice. Um, and uh, what he did is he, he put them in this, this bucket of water, um, and he just left them in there um, to try to you know, stay above water as long as they could. And uh, what he found as he tested them over and over was that uh, on average the mice would last about 17 minutes. That's pretty good. You know, I don't know if I could tread water for 17 minutes. That's, that's good. But um, then he did something interesting. What he did was he did another experiment. And he took some mice and, you know, maybe about the 15, 16 minute mark. What he did is he took them out of the water, dried them off, you know, did a little CPR. No, I don't know if he did that. <laughs> dried them off, you know, took care of them, fed them all that for like two weeks. And then he dumped them back in the water. Back in the water they went. And guess how long they lasted? Originally it was 17 minutes. You know, maybe you're thinking twice. Maybe they doubled it. 30 minutes? No. Maybe an hour? Two? No. Several hours? How about two days and an hour? 49 hours. 49 hours. And see, here's the point, guys. Hope changes everything. Right? When it's in perspective, when those mice realize that there is a helping hand that's going to come down and save me, when that belief was in their heart, it changed everything. They thought it was over at 17 minutes, they're tapping out, they're done. But those that had a hope or an expectation for someone to come down to help them, that that was not the end of it, it completely changed the game. And we need to ask ourselves, how are we living our lives? Are we 17 minute Christians, or are we 49 hours, right? 49ers, if you will. We need to have that hope in the Lord. And so the point I want to make here is this, that the eternal perspective enables us to see and to go beyond our circumstances. Eternal perspective, this hope enables us to see beyond our circumstances. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever have seen, you're watching a movie and there's a scene where it looks like, you know, one of the actors is going to die. 
but you've seen a preview already and you know that they're, they show up later on in the movie, so you know they're not going to die. They're, they kind of gives you this, this kind of a peace, right? There's kind of like the, this hope and it changes your perspective. And so we as Christians, we need to know that as crazy as this life is, this life is not all that there is. Amen? This life is not all that there is. This life is but a vapor. And then we have eternity. And so, even though we're, we're going through trials, they may not make sense to us. It doesn't mean that God does not have a plan. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan just because we don't get it, just because we don't understand it. And uh, I want to show you something real quick to kind of illustrate this, um, a picture. And uh, so this isn't an art studio, okay? And it, it, it's a pile of junk. You know, what, what purpose does this have being in an art studio? It's just a pile of junk. And, and maybe this is your life. Maybe your life feels like this pile of junk. It makes no sense. It's just crazy. There, 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 there's, there's no sense to it. And you're like, why is my life like this? And you're looking at it from your perspective. You're looking at it from an earthly perspective where it makes absolutely no sense. But there is one perspective where it makes sense. There is one perspective where that, that, that craziness and that chaos actually makes sense and is something Beautiful. Guys, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our, 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 our trials and not understanding and, and there being craziness in our life, we need to realize it may not make sense to us as we look at it from our earthly eyes. But when we entrust our life to God, when everything is said and done from His perspective, from His standpoint, it'll all make sense. Isaiah 55, 8, says it, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and, are the, and those who are called according to His purpose. And so, my point for you is this when we finally see things from God's perspective we will not be disappointed 1 Corinthians 13:12 says this for we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face for uh, now I know in part but then I shall know just as I am known 2 Corinthians 4:17 says this for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What does that mean? That means the craziness, the difficulty that we're going through right now is literally it's just a blip on the radar yeah. in the perspective of eternity. Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. And so, again, in Romans 5 here, verse 5, he says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so as I bring this to a close, my question to you, my challenge to you is, are you seeing life with eternal eyes? Are you seeing your trials? Are you trying to understand things from an earthly perspective? 
and it's just not making sense. I encourage you guys. Put your life into the hands of the Lord to look at things from a different perspective. Don't try to carry something that God has not given you to carry. Entrust your problems, entrust your cares, entrust your trials, again, into the hands of the one who knows what to do with them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you do not leave us alone in the midst of our trials, Lord God. We thank you that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, Lord. We are so thankful that you see all things, that you are not limited in your understanding, nor are you limited in your capability to work and to move in our hearts and our lives. And Lord God, I just pray. For each and every person here, Lord, you know where they're at. You know what their situation is, the trials, the struggles, the hurts, the pain. Whatever it is that's going on in each and every life, Lord God, I pray you would send your spirit to just minister to them. For each person to know that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Although you've not promised to keep us from the trials, you've promised you'll never leave us in the midst of them. So God, would you send your spirit to comfort? Would you send your spirit to guide and to lead? God, would you refill and restore and renew those hearts that are weary, those spirits that are heavy and hanging and in need of a touch, in need of hearing from you. God, would you speak? God, would you minister? God, would you give us all a heart and a desire to see life, not through our own eyes, not through human eyes, but through eternal eyes, to see things the way you see them, to see life the way you see it, to see people the way that you see them and to love people the way that you love them and to love you as well. And so, Lord God, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to live and to move and to work among us. Lord, would you work mightily through this church, through this body this week? And God, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. And we ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen.